Welcome to Rainbow Puppy Science Lab. It's the world's only lab dedicated exclusively to the study of all things awesome. Every episode, we'll explore a different subject and figure out what makes it great. So goggles on, awesomeologists. This might get messy. But we're about to discover something, something awesome. awesome. Hi, I'm Atticus. And I'm Kyle. Welcome to our special bonus episode of Rainbow Puppy Science Lab. We're still working on planning episodes for season two, but since it's back to school season, we thought it would be a good time to make a bonus episode sharing some of the cool things we learned from a new book, The Mona Lisa Vanishes. It's a middle grade nonfiction book telling the amazing story of the theft of the Mona Lisa. Today, the Mona Lisa sits in quite possibly the most carefully constructed glass case in the world. The glass is extremely thick and heavy to protect the painting, but it also is made to look light and not get in the way of everyone who wants to see the famous painting. They designed special lighting within the case, an anti-glare glass, to make sure she is always visible and continues to look her best. Well, today, the Mona Lisa is the most famous and carefully guarded painting in the world. Lisa Gherardini, the woman in the painting, and Leonardo da Vinci, the artist who painted it, would be absolutely shocked to see so much fuss about this little painting. Why is that? Well, for one, Lisa Gherardini was pretty much an ordinary person. She came from a family that was actually struggling after some wars had destroyed their lands. Her family had no money for a dowry. That's the money parents would pay when their daughters got married in order to sort of set the couple up financially. She was almost sent off to a convent where her face would never be seen by much of anyone and her portrait would never be painted. So what happened? Her father knew this guy who was a fairly successful merchant, meaning he sold things. In this case, he sold cloth. This cloth merchant agreed to marry Lisa and accepted some of the family's land for a dowry. Okay, so she gets married. Good for them. But what does that have to do with this painting? Did Leonardo paint the picture and give it to them as a wedding gift? I don't think so. In fact, Lisa probably never even saw the finished painting. Getting her portrait painted was a big deal. Kings, queens, and nobility would get their portraits painted, usually to show off how rich and powerful they were. A lot of things included in those old portraits were picked out as symbols of the person's awesomeness. The picture of Lisa is different. It's relatively simple. She's just sitting in a basic dress and looking out with a slight smile. Dude. That is not ordinary clothing. Nobody's walking around like that unless they're playing dress up and therefore she's fancy. Her clothes were a little nicer than maybe the average person might have worn, but she wasn't in the super fancy stuff the royals would wear, no jewelry. She wouldn't have seemed all that remarkable to the people of Florence, Italy around the year 1500. Then why did Leonardo da Vinci paint her, and why is this painting so famous? 
Well, we don't know exactly why he painted her. My guess is he took the commission from her because she wasn't in the position to make a ton of demands. He actually had been known to get into a bit of trouble with some of the people who hired him because he would take a long time to finish a picture. How long? Remember I said Lisa probably never actually saw the finished painting? Historians say it probably took him about 16 years to paint the Mona Lisa. He never gave her the painting. He took it with him when he left Italy to join the royal court of the King of France. Leonardo stayed there in France for the rest of his life, and then after he died, the king hung the Mona Lisa in his bathroom. Wait, so the Mona Lisa, the greatest portrait in the history of the world, was hanging in some dude's gross bathroom? Well, the French king's bathroom was a bit bigger than the average bathroom and had tons of decorations and a lounge area. But it was also the 16th century, and plumbing and sanitation in general weren't what they are today, so I suppose it was a big roast by today's standards. Not to mention creepy. I mean, who wants those eyes following you around the bathroom? Gross. Agreed. So... How did a creepy bathroom painting become the most famous face in the world? Well, it was part of the royal collection and eventually hung in the Louvre. In the early 20th century, it was just one of the many great Renaissance paintings in their collection. That changed on August 21st, 1911, when she was stolen. Now we're talking... So, what was it, some slick cat burglar crawling through a grid of lasers, cutting the glass and rappelling out a window in the dead of night as there's a police chase through the streets of Paris, but then the clever thief has a speedboat waiting so he can leave the frustrated guards and police on the shore and disappear in the distance on the open water. Everyone, even the police, imagined some cunning thief like that. But actually, it turned out to be an ordinary guy. A man who had worked at the Louvre hid in a closet until closing, took the painting off the wall, and then in the morning, he had walked out with the painting hidden under his cloak. Seriously? He just grabbed it off the wall and walked out with it under his coat? Basically, yes. They didn't have lasers and alarms. The painting had recently been put behind protective glass, but Vincenzo Perugia, the thief, was also the guy who built the case. So while it was big and heavy, I mean, it weighed about 200 pounds, he knew exactly how to get it off the wall and out of the case. So the guy the museum hired to protect the painting ended up stealing the painting? That's right. There are even more bonkers twists and turns in the story. Even though they found a fingerprint on the frame and they had Perugia's fingerprints on file, they didn't figure out it was him for two whole years. In fact, it took them a while to even realize the painting was stolen. How could the guards not notice a big empty spot on the wall where a painting used to be? They knew the painting was missing from the wall, but they just assumed that the museum photographers were taking pictures of it. It was a painter who discovered the theft. He was upset that the reflections on the glass made it hard to see the paintings in the Louvre. 
He wanted to paint a picture showing how we couldn't actually see the Mona Lisa. But when he got there, he really couldn't see the Mona Lisa. For two years, investigators searched. They ended up in some pretty shocking places, including Pablo Picasso's studio, and they even went to a cemetery to verify that a master thief was in fact still dead. Reporters loved the story, and the Mona Lisa appeared in newspapers around the world several times over those two years. When the painting was finally recovered, thousands of people packed into the museum to see it in person. The theft brought the Mona Lisa out of the museum and into pop culture, and since then, her fame just keeps growing. Now, after the break, we'll have a special rapid-fire fact or fake with Nicholas Day, the author of The Mona Lisa Vanishes, as I asked him about some of the wild things people say about the Mona Lisa. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a storytime podcast with your littles? Something that has some great storytelling and maybe some conversation about it? Look no further. With Storytime with Philip and Mommy, my little guy Philip and I sit down every single day and read a story together. And we, of course, want you to join us. Grab your copy of the book, sit down, let's read it, and let's talk about it. We'll learn new words, we'll learn new ideas, and then we'll learn how we can use those stories in our lives. It's a lot of fun. Classics like Little Golden Books or Bernstein Bears, all the way up through the newest phenomenons like Bluey. We talk about them and we have a lot of laughs. It's a great time and we hope that you can come and join us. So please look for us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Storytime with Philip and Mommy. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. Now, I am super excited for this segment, this special episode. We're going to have a special segment of Fact or Fake. I have with me Nicholas Day, the author of a new book called The Mona Lisa Vanishes. Um, It is a middle grade nonfiction book about the story of how the Mona Lisa was actually stolen from the museums a little over 100 years ago, 1911. Um, Nicholas Day wrote an absolutely amazing book. Uh, I'll have links in the show notes for those who are interested, and it'll be on the shelves in bookstores September 5th, 2023. But thank you very much, Nicholas, for joining me. Thanks, Kyle. Now, since you have read and researched so much more about Leonardo da Vinci and the Mona Lisa than I ever will in my entire life, I thought you would be the perfect person to play a little game we're calling Fact or Fake to help us learn a little bit more about the Mona Lisa because there are so many myths about it. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so first up, There is this persistent rumor that the Mona Lisa is actually a self-portrait of Leonardo da Vinci. Fact or fake? As far as we know, which is pretty far, the Mona Lisa is a portrait of a Florentine woman named uh, Lisa Gherardini. Uh, So we don't think that it's a self-portrait of Leonardo da Vinci, sadly, because that would be a great twist in the story if it were. That would be a great twist, but it just, it feels like 
It's one of those things that people had to make up because Lisa Gardini was just an ordinary woman. And it's so hard to imagine an ordinary person could become this iconic face. It's like, it's got to be somebody more spectacular. It's Leonardo himself or something like that. But that is, in fact, fake. Um, Next up, the eyes of the Mona Lisa will follow you around the room. That is true, or at least sort of true. A lot of people report that the Mona Lisa's eyes will sort of follow you around the room as you walk around the room looking at the portrait. Uh, They also seem to rest at a point kind of just over your shoulder as if she's eerily looking past you. Uh, I should say that this is a phenomenon we can observe in other paintings as well. So it's not like some supernatural element to the Mona Lisa, but something that happens, you know, in a lot of portraits. But the Mona Lisa is a painting we look especially closely at. So people have noticed it, especially there. Yeah. And in fact, they call it the Mona Lisa effect, although I suspect it's more of what we would call the spotlight effect in psychology. They talk about how people always seem to think that they are the center of the universe. And so surely even the paintings are staring at them. But that is a real phenomenon. People feel like the Mona Lisa is watching them. And next up, before she made it to the Louvre, the King of France hung the Mona Lisa in his bathroom. This is absolutely true. This was at a time when, you know, bathrooms were were pretty palatial. At least they were palatial if you were the King of France. And the King of France liked to, you know, hang out with his friends, you know, in the bathroom because the bathroom was many, many, many rooms. It wasn't just the room where the King of France, like, you know, washed up. Um, and so the Mona Lisa was was in this set of rooms. And that's sort of shocking to us today because the Mona Lisa is, you know, as carefully preserved a painting as we can imagine. You know, it's taken down every year and every single millimeter is inspected to make sure that it's not deteriorating. And so to imagine that hundreds of years ago it was in a bathroom is shocking. It is. And especially when you consider the Mona Lisa effect, she seems like she's staring at you in the bathroom. Ooh. But, you know, King's going to do what he's going to do. Um, next up, did Leonardo hire clowns, jugglers, and other entertainers to come into his studio and entertain Lisa in order to coax a smile as he painted her portrait? We don't think so, but on the other hand, who knows? This story comes to us from an art historian, an artist who wrote it, you know, a few decades after Leonardo's death, named Vasari, and he says exactly that. Um, I doubt it, partly because it's too good a story almost to be true, and partly because, you know, the smile of the Mona Lisa was seen as, you know, a little bit sort of bewitching, a little bit intoxicating, Um, but it also wasn't that remarkable a smile. Um, And so I would be surprised if that's something that, you know, Leonardo was going for to the extent that he hired, you know, a troupe of clowns to come in to entertain her. 
Yeah, I, I'm i reminded of, um, I, I saw research because this smile has been studied more than any other, um, that some people say it seems like it was a fake or forced smile because other facial muscles aren't engaged. And I, I feel like if he entertained her too much, then she would genuinely smile and, and that would ruin the whole effect. Um, next up, and, and this one is again on her smile. Her smile can seem to shift depending on where you're looking. I would rate that half true uh, because if you look at the Mona Lisa very closely, and these days it's hard to look at the Mona Lisa very closely because it's so popular that it's hard to get close to it. Um, but if you look closely at it, you can see its smile sort of move depending on where you are. And Leonardo painted this painting with incredible subtlety and with this kind of technique called the sfumato technique, which is many, many thin layers of oil paint painstakingly applied over maybe decades. And so all that adds up to something that is so subtle that the smile itself seems to move a little bit. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, I got to say, I'm going to rate that one as true, mostly, um, because I have found that when I look at different areas, you know, the shadows around the cheek are so subtly defined. When I stare right at them, I can see where the the shadow ends, like the, where the cheek ends and the smile begins. But when I look somewhere else and it's in my peripheral vision it does seem like that shadow just blends into the the smile to make it a little bit bigger and more dramatic. Um, but perhaps that's just different people see things differently too. Now next up, the Mona Lisa that was recovered in Perugia's apartment was one of about half a dozen fakes created as a massive plot to con multiple rich collectors. This, I can say pretty confidently, is wholly false. This is about the man who stole the Mona Lisa, Vincenzo Perugia, and he was a man who worked actually to protect the Mona Lisa, putting it behind glass, and then later got the idea to steal it. There was a story that came out many decades later, um, basically claiming that Perugia was just part of this overall scheme to make many copies of the Mona Lisa and sell them to many millionaires. And that, you know, he wasn't the person behind the theft at all, but he was just a pawn in this scheme. It's a great sort of almost Ocean's Eleven-like story. And we all want to believe it because, you know, who wouldn't want to see that movie? But unfortunately, there's not much evidence for it. Yeah, I feel like it... Hearing that reminded me of reading this book and the investigation where the investigators were thinking about what type of person could have stolen the Mona Lisa. And it led them down the wrong paths because they were thinking about what would be the good story of the person who would steal it. And they had, you know, Pablo Picasso, possibly, or um, I forget his name, but there was the famous thief who had passed away like 10 years earlier, um, who was just the master criminal. And they thought it had to be someone like that. Unfortunately, you know, reality doesn't always line up with our expectations. And finally, there's this persistent sort of rumor, conspiracy theory, that the actual Mona Lisa was lost in World War II, and the piece hanging in the Louvre today 
is a copy that was also painted in the 16th century. This is also a story that persists because it's such a great story. Um, but unfortunately, we can say pretty positively that that's not true. Scholars know, and the officials at the Louvre know with incredible detail what the Mona Lisa looks like, and they would have been able to spot any fake. Yes, that that is true. Although there is, like a lot of these sort of um, wild conspiracies, there is sort of like a grain of truth in, in that there were copies painted by other artists in the Renaissance era. I, I believe Raphael did his own version of it, studying Leonardo's work. So there are copies around. And during World War II, the Louvre and other museums were basically crating up and shipping off works. And so I think there is like some reference to the Mona Lisa in the documents of the monuments men, the allied soldiers who were protecting. Absolutely. Those yeah. Them. They moved the Mona Lisa out of the Louvre and for safekeeping. And it was also, as you say, Kyle, one of the most copied paintings. Um, I mean, it was clearly something that caught the eye of Leonardo's contemporaries. They realized he was doing something extraordinary. And so those two facts, as you say, the number of copies and the fact that it did leave the Louvre um, combined to create this myth. Yeah, um, but you know, the true story, which you presented in your book, The Mona Lisa Vanishes, is actually in some ways stranger than all of that fiction. And I highly recommend it. Um, this is a middle grade book. You know, can if I could, I just want to put you on the spot. There are so many fun facts in here. Um, if our readers are curious about this book, what would be one fun fact that you sort of remember and take away from this that maybe surprised you in the research or people might find interesting or unexpected? Well, I think I can tell them that something they'll learn at the very beginning of the book is that the thief who steals the Mona Lisa walks out with this painting, which today is behind bulletproof glass, the most protected painting in the world, possibly, walks out with it under sort of a white nightshirt of sorts, a sort of worker's gown. And so he simply carries it out of the Louvre with it next to him. It's you know, an unimaginable scene. I I loved that. And the irony of the fact that he had been hired to put these paintings behind glass to protect them, and he ended up stealing it. Um, and the, the way that it came to be discovered stolen was because somebody was upset that the glass was blocking his view of these great works of art in the Louvre, and he planned to paint his own copy, but having the glass reflection getting in the way as his artistic statement about how we can't see these works. It There's so many things in here that I just absolutely love. Um, irony upon irony going all throughout this story and unexpected twists and turns for something that has been kind of well known and documented for well over a hundred years but um 
even still today, as much as I've read about it, I still found new and interesting and unexpected stuff I didn't know before. So highly recommend for those interested in a good caper, um, check out the Mona Lisa Vanishes. I'll put links in the show notes and it'll be on all the bookstore shelves starting September 5th. Thank you very much. Once again, Nicholas Day. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Rainbow Puppy Science Lab, and I hope you have a good start to the school year. Be sure to stay subscribed on your favorite podcast app because season two is going to be coming soon. Thanks for listening to our show. Rainbow Puppy Science Lab is an airwave media podcast. It was written, produced, mixed, and edited by us, Atticus and Kyle. Background music and sound effects came courtesy of Pixabay. Today, we covered something that we love and wanted to learn more about, but what are you curious about? Ask your grown-up to head over to rainbowpuppysciencelab.com to find some fun experiments and activities you can try. While you're there, tell us what you like and what you're curious about. You might just hear it in a future episode.